Now, if you're a guest with us, and you're wondering, where am I? Let me assure you, you are in church. And we like to do things epic style. That's why we call ourselves Epic Church. And uh, my name is Tim. You can tell those who are laughing, my name's not Tim. My name is Trent, one of the pastors on staff here, and at least I am for today. I may not be after today, but uh, I was on staff here, and this is kind of probably my one last talk uh, with you guys. So uh, as we begin today, uh, we wanted to do something a little bit different, a little bit crazy to kind of set up what we're going to be talking about today. So as we begin, let me ask the question, how many sports fans do we have here? So raise your hand high, so a number of sports fans. Okay, so tell me what kind of sports that you like. Not, not sport teams, but what kind of sports? So we got, what do we got in front? Baseball, football, softball, great. Football, basketball, baseball, I've heard. Gymnastics, ping pong. Oh, I love ping pong, ping pong's fantastic. What was that? Boxing, I heard wrestling. Soccer, bocce, awesome. So some great sports there. So um, my dad actually had the privilege of teaching at a university level. He was a basketball coach at University of Pittsburgh in the Bradford campus. So, so he's been involved in athletics all his life. He, he's uh, doing athletics in heaven now, um, which I'm sure it's amazing. But as, as I was born into that kind of family, Athletics has been a part of my life for really all of my life. So I, I can't really remember a time that I was involved in athletics at some degree. Now, I can't say I was all that great at athletics, but, but I was involved in athletics for, for a long time in, in my life. I love athletics. So when I was younger, when we lived up north, I'd play hockey. Anybody like hockey? Yeah, okay, there's five of us that like hockey. <laughs> and you know that there's, you know, it's hard to play hockey down here. Um, so we moved to Florida in the early 80s, and it's like, hey, like... It's hot all the time. Where's the ice? So I didn't get to play hockey here, but my friends and I, we played every sport that we can imagine. We'd go through seasons of, hey, that's our sport for this month. And we're just going to play as much of that sport as we can. So we played basketball. We played football. We'd wrestle with each other. We'd um, play, um, uh, there are other sports in, in my brain, right? Uh, they just left my brain right now. So yeah, we, well, we didn't box, but we'd fight each other and... Um, we even made up a game and we made up multiple games. I'm not exactly sure if this was really ours or if, if you played this as well, but we, we play this game called burn ball. And the, what you do with burn ball is you find a wall. So like a concrete wall, block wall, something. And then you and your friends, you get back and you get a tennis ball or even better was a racket ball because it stung a little bit more. And so you would throw the ball against the wall and you just stand back with your friends in a group and you'd catch the ball and you'd throw it back. A really easy game until you touched it and dropped it. If you dropped the ball, then you had to run and touch the wall before one of your friends burned you in the back. And so you're running going, no, ball! You got the you know, shot in the back moment. And surprising that my friends and I still have any brain cells left after hours and hours and hours of that game. But we loved athletics. And so then I, I went on to college and had the opportunity to, to play college volleyball. And you can tell I was an outside hitter. You can laugh at that, okay? I was not an outside hitter, but I got the chance to, to, to set in, in, in uh, uh, college volleyball for a couple of years and met my wife and, and we enjoyed athletics together. She's way more athletic than I am. And then we got married, started having kids. And we have four kids, three girls and one boy. And all of our kids just love athletics with us. 
And so we got into the season of helping them in their athletic adventures. And so my girls have played volleyball. My girls have run track. My girls have done soccer. My son's played soccer. My son played flag football as well. And so I've been in this season of, of being kind of on the sidelines and cheering them on as they go out and play. And there's this weird thing that happens in me when either I'm cheering from the sideline or, or sometimes I get the opportunity to coach them in, in a sport. And when I'm, I'm coaching or cheering from the sideline, this weird thing happens when my kids run out and play. I want to play with them. And I, I know it's like inappropriate for the, you know, the 45-year-old ball guy to charge the, the flag football field with the 11-year-olds and play. Uh, but, but I want to say like, give me flags, coach, put me in. And I know it's not appropriate for me to go out and play girls uh, high school volleyball. Like it just would look weird. Like I can't even get my hair in a ponytail or anything. Like just, it wouldn't look right. But that's what I want. Like I wanna participate. I don't wanna just watch. And that's how I feel when I'm watching sports. And anybody been watching the Olympics? Like, I love when the Olympics come. I mean, it's so fantastic. Winter Olympics, Summer Olympics, it's great. And we've got the TV on throughout, throughout the day when it's on. And, and we're watching late at night and cheering our, you know, our favorite athletes on. It's amazing to watch athletes at the top of their game. I don't know if you've been watching swimming, but that, that Katie Ledecky, wow. Like, I don't know what that race was, but it was forever. And she like lapped everybody twice. That was amazing. So I, I love watching the Olympics, but there's something weird that happens when I'm watching the Olympics. I want to be in the Olympics. Like I'm watching going, I, I want to be in that. I, I want to participate. And uh, the other day, my wife and I were watching gymnastics and we saw there was this lady in her 40s and she was, had been in seven Olympics. I looked at my wife and I said, there is still hope. Like for us, like go get your leotards. Like we are gonna train right now. We got four years and we're getting in. I don't know what we're getting in. Maybe burn ball will be the sport in four years, but we're gonna get into the Olympics. So I would much rather participate than just watch. Watching is, it's okay, but it, it doesn't even come close to participating in athletics for me. Now, hold on, because I'm going to make a, a shift. That's how I feel about the church. I feel the same way about the church. I would rather participate in what God is doing through a local church than to sit in the bleachers, or sit on the sideline, and watch. I would much rather be in the action on the field than watching from the sideline. I was reminded of that this past week. There's about 15 of us that went up to a leadership conference up in Jacksonville. It's called the Global Leadership Summit, and I've been going to that for the past 16 years, one of the best leadership development conferences I've ever been to. So if you ever get a chance to go to that, like I strongly recommend, they satellite it all around the world, but I strongly recommend you check that out because here's the reality. You're a leader of something. It may just be you by yourself and you're leading yourself, but you gotta lead yourself. You may be leading your family. You gotta lead your family. You may be leading at work. You're a leader at work. No matter where you are, you're a leader of something. And when leaders get better, everybody wins. And we owe it to ourselves, the people that we lead and to our God to get better in leading. And so I've been going to this for a number of years. And about 16 years ago, the first time I went, the primary communicator, a guy by the name of Bill Hybels, he made this statement that really messed with me. He said, the local church is the hope of the world. Now, I heard that, and I said, no, it's not. He didn't know what he's talking about. See, I grew up around the church. Like, I'd say, Jesus is the hope of the world, but the church? 
now. I mean, the, the church is full of hypocrites. The church is full of people that say, hey, we like us four and no more. Like, we're not really interested in our community and serving their needs. The church is a place for spectators. You know, I'd watch people go out into the marketplace, go out into athletics, go out into academics, and, and they would give their all in those environments. And then I'd watch those same people come into the church, climb up into the bleachers, and watch professionally trained people do what religious people do in church. And I saw that and thought, you know, I, I never really want to be involved at a high level in the local church. There's a couple things I've never wanted to do in my life, work for a church or be a pastor. You can tell God has a sense of humor. I get to do both. But when I was younger, I'm like, I, I don't really want to be involved in the church. Like, I know, like, I should be involved at some level because that would make God happy. And I want to do the least that I can do to make God happy. So that was my mentality when it came to the church. So when Bill Hybels said the local church is the hope of the world, I said, I'm not so sure about that. Then he went on in his talk and he cast this vision that I'd never seen before about the church. And it really messed with me. And I left that, that first session with a determination that I've got to re-examine my view of the church because if he's right, my view's wrong. More importantly, I have to re-examine what God says about the church. So I began a journey of reevaluating my perspective and God's perspective and looking into scripture to find what does God really say about the church? So listen to one verse I found in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. This is Jesus speaking. He gathered his disciples together one day and the second part of verse 18, he says this. He said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. It's a big statement. And so when I read that verse, I thought, you know what? I think it's fair to say that building the church is a really big deal to God. It's a really big deal. I think it's fair to say that it's probably God's number one priority on planet Earth. Now, what did Jesus mean when he said he was going to build his church? Did Jesus mean that he was going to build a bunch of buildings with stained glass window windows that are very nice to come and look at? Is that what he meant? Some people think that. I think I thought that for many years in my life, that church was that place that you go where religious things happen. And this past uh, year, I had the chance to take my family up to Washington, D.C. And, and see the National Cathedral. Anybody seen the National Cathedral? Um, amazing. Like, wow. Fantastic. We walked in. We're walk I mean, I could sit there for hours just looking at the National Cathedral. It's so beautiful. But was that what Jesus meant? When he said, I'm gonna build my church and, and the powers of hell will not conquer it. I'm not sure that it is. To understand uh, what Jesus meant, I think we gotta do a little word study uh, into the word church. And so the New Testament part of the Bible where, where we're reading this section where Jesus spoke this was written in the Greek language. And so uh, we've got to look at that word for church that was translated out of the Greek. So that word that, that was translated is the Greek word ekklesia. So uh, it's kind of a fun word. So I'd like us all to say it together out loud, okay? So on the count of three, one, two, three, ekklesia. Great job. Now you can impress your friends with your knowledge of Greek. You know, at lunch or you know, this week, you can tell your friends at work. So ekklesia was not a religious term. 
Ecclesia was not a new term that, that Jesus was coining to describe something new that he was going to do. It was a very common term. And ecclesia meant a gathering of people who were called together for a specific purpose. And those purposes could be civic, those purposes could be religious, could be military, whatever. But ecclesia never meant a location, never meant a building. So when Jesus told his disciples, which would have been his small ecclesia, that I'm gonna build a bigger ecclesia, they would have understood, oh, he's talking about a gathering. Oh yeah, you, you know, uh, Peter, you know when we gather for those civic conversations and we're gonna do something in our community or we get, you know, the, the army gathers for military purposes. Yeah, so, so that's what that, that's like. They would have understood that's what Jesus meant. But something happened when our Bible started being translated. And what I'm about to explain is a very basic summary. It's way more complicated than this, but here's kind of the basic summary. As Christianity started spreading around the known world, it had a major influence on the world. I'm, I'm sure you can imagine. We've been influenced by Christianity. It had an influence on the Jewish culture that it was birthed out of. It had an influence on the Roman culture that was oppressing that Jewish culture in that moment. It had an influence on the Greek culture that was surrounding that area. It had an influence on the Asia Minor cultures that were around there as well. It had an influence on the Germanic cultures that, that would be like Germany and, and Belgium, Austria, those kind of cultures. And at the same time as Christianity had this big influence on cultures around the world, some of those cultures had an influence on Christianity, specifically when it came to translating the Bible. So the Germanic cultures had a word that they would use for church. And that word is this word. It's going to come up on the screen. Kirch. K-I-R-C-H-E. And that word meant a religious place of worship. So it was a specific place. It was where specific things happened. Religious things happened. Guess where we got our word church from? That word. That, that Germanic word. Now, you, again, we got to understand that Germanic term kirch and ecclesia had two totally different meanings. One was a location where religious things happened, and the other was a gathering of people who've been called together for a specific purpose. Now, here's why this is so important for us today. The more we have incorrectly used the word church... I think the more we've made it a place for spectators. We've made it a place where we, we come and we watch the professionally trained people do what they do on stage and we observe instead of participate. But that wasn't God's intention. That wasn't God's plan from the foundation of the world. So listen to this. Ephesians 3.10 says, God's purpose in all this was to use the church an ecclesia, gathering of people called together for one purpose, to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. So God, God's number one plan, his only plan to reach the world with a life-changing message of Jesus Christ has been to use the church, an ecclesia, a gathering of people called together for one purpose, with one message. Now listen to how that started to happen after Jesus' resurrection. 
So after his resurrection, he told his ecclesia in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. For us, that's like saying, you're gonna be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Flagler County, in the state of Florida, in the United States, and all throughout the world. That verse is one of the verses that gives us our marching order for going on our international mission trips. So we had two teams that went to Guatemala this summer, and we're going to tell you about what happened on those trips next week. But that, that verse is one of the reasons why we go into all the world, because Jesus said, go and tell everybody about me everywhere. He didn't say, stay in one spot. He said, go, go everywhere and tell everyone. Shortly after this statement, in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit came, gave the disciples the power that, that Jesus was talking about, and using that power, the apostle Peter stood up before thousands of people one day, and he told them about Jesus. He told them about this, this man, this God in the flesh who died so they can live. Listen to what happened. Acts chapter two, verse 37 says, Peter's words pierced their hearts and they said to him and the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and even to the Gentiles. And, and the, the Peter's audience would have said, oh, look, what do you mean the Gentiles? This message is for Jews only. Peter says, no, it's for the Gentiles as well. If you're a Gentile, the message of Jesus is for you as well. It's for all who have been called by the Lord, our God. We're gonna get back to that in just a minute. Verse 40 says, then Peter continued preaching for a long time. And so I thought today in honor of Peter that I should preach for a very long time and, and see if maybe what happened for Peter would happen for us. But I'm just kidding, so I'm not gonna do that. Verse 41 says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and what happened? What happened? They were added to what? The church. Were they added to church membership role? Were they added to Peter's Facebook friend list? They were added to an ecclesia. They were added to a gathering of people say, hey, we've been called together. Like, come on. How many people were added to that? What's that verse say? 3,000 people. Can you imagine if 3,000 people showed up at Epic today and said, hey, is there room for us? Like, we, we hear that you've got this message this life-changing message of Jesus Christ, like, like, is there room for us to sit down? I would say there is more than enough uncomfortable seats for everybody. Like, I would tell all of you, like, scoot over. We're going to make room. We, we may add 10 services, but we'll make sure that we make room for everybody. Listen to what happened after those people were added to the church. Verse 42. So all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and the fellowship and the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. That's the most amazing description of the local church I've ever read. People responding to the message of Jesus Christ. People saying, I I need that. I want to be saved. People repenting of their sins and turning to God. People coming together and saying, like, what are your needs? Like, how can I meet your needs? How can we help each other? How can we be the church for each other and for our community that desperately needs Jesus? Can you imagine if that happened today? Can you imagine if, if there was a group of people so concerned about each other so concerned about our community that we would sell stuff and share it? We would find out our needs and say, you got a need? I want to meet that need. Like, I have this prompting. You're my brother. You're my sister in Christ. I have this need to meet your need. Can you imagine if our community looked and saw a gathering of people that interacted that way? Can you imagine how different our community would be? Can you imagine how many people would want to be a part of a gathering like that? I think God could still do that today. But are are we a gathering that says to other people, like, come on in. Like, come on in. Like, I'll scoot over. I'll make room for you. You know, again, I grew up around the church, and a couple of things I saw in church world were, were heartbreaking to me. One of the things that I saw was, if you didn't dress the right way, you didn't belong. If you didn't have Sunday church clothes, you didn't belong. Do you want to know why I dress the way I do on some Sundays? So that person that doesn't have church clothes can come in and look up on the stage and go, if that goofy bald guy can dress like that on Sunday, I guess I can come to church. I want everybody to know you don't need church clothes to come to church. You got clothes? Like, call those your church clothes. Like, just Come. And sit down and learn what it means to to fall in love with Jesus and grow in our relationship with him. Yeah, I've been in some church environments where if you sit in the wrong seat, you're going to be rebuked. And, you know, it's always weird to me. Like, I didn't know there was seat assignments in church. But you'll find that out if you go into a church where there are seat assignments and you sit down and somebody comes up and, and gives you a dirty look. Or makes a remark, hey, Bob, I guess somebody got your seat today. You know, you're the new person. Like, how does that make you feel? Like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Like, should I sit somewhere else? You think you're going to come back next Sunday? Knowing you sat in somebody's seat and that's how they treated you? I wouldn't. What if we were a church that said, the seat's for you. I saved it just for you. You're dressed appropriately. Hang out and learn how you can be loved by Jesus. And I'll do whatever I can to help you on the journey. I think that could still happen today. And I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, I will build my church. I'll build my ecclesia and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Listen to what the apostle Peter said about the church in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. He said, the church is the pillar and foundation of the truth. Here's what you need to know. If you're a Christ follower, you have been entrusted with the only message that can transform a world. 
that can transform a government, that can transform a, a, a nation, that can transform a family, that can transform an individual for all of eternity. You've been trusted with the gospel, the good news that Jesus died so we can live. What are you doing with that? It's been entrusted to you, this message. Like, do you go home and like hide it under your bed and like, it's just for me? Or do you take it with you to work? Do you take it with you to school? Do you take it with you to athletics? Do you take it with you to the gym and say, like, I wanna share this. This news is so amazing. It's transformed me and I want more people to understand it and be a part of God's ecclesia. We have been entrusted with an amazing message. Do you realize that government is not the answer to our problems? Can I get an amen out of that? Like, I, like okay. You've been watching politics lately? Yes. Okay. Do you realize our educational system is not the answer? Nothing wrong with our educational system. But it's not the answer for the ache that our world has. Do you realize that um, community service is not the answer? It's a piece of the pie. The answer is Jesus. And we've been entrusted with that message been entrusted, it's a gift that's been placed in your hands. What are you doing with that gift? It's a precious gift. And we've been told to go into all the world and tell people about this amazing gift. So when I think about the statement that Heibel's made over 16 years ago that started messing with me, the more I read scripture, the more I understand the local church is the hope of the world. Here's another way to say that. Jesus is the hope of the world, and he's chosen local churches to carry that message to the world. Now, ecclesia has another meaning as well. So not only does it mean a gathering of, of, of Christ followers called together for a specific purpose, and those are God's purposes to transform the world, it can also mean the called out ones. So if you are a Christ follower, you have been called out by God. You've been called out of the bleachers. You've been called out of the stands. You've been called into the game of life. You've been called out of this world to live a different life before a dying world. You've been called to live in such a way that people around you will say like, like what do you have? I got to know about it. There's something different in you. There's something different in your eyes. There's something different in how you, you interact with your friends and your family. There's something different about how you work. There's something so different about you. I gotta know, what is it? You and I have been called to give our time, talents, and resources. Why? So more people who are outside God's ecclesia will become inside God's ecclesia. But every Christ follower has a decision to make. Will we continue to look at the church as a place where religious things happen? Or will we look at the church and say, it's a gathering of Christ followers who come together with the one message that can transform a world? Will we continue to look at the church as a place where we come and sit and watch? Or will we look at the church as a place where we are actively involved at very high levels, because it's God's number one plan to reach the world with the message of Jesus Christ. 
Now, let me just speak for a moment to those of you who may be new to our church family. You may be here for the first time today. You may be checking us out for a couple of weeks or, or a month or so, and you're like, yeah, I'm just kind of figuring it out. I'm not, not sure if I like the bald guy on stage. Like, I get it. Like, if you get to the end, you know, of your journey, you're like, yeah, I don't really connect with that guy. He's a little too goofy for me. Like, I understand. Maybe you don't like green socks. Like, I, I don't know. Um, I know that not every church is for everybody, but there is a church for everybody. And there's some great churches in our community. If you need help finding one, let me know. I'll, I'll, I'll point you towards some great churches. But here's what I ask. When you find it, don't be a spectator. Get active at very high levels. You'll never regret it for all of eternity. There will not be one millisecond when you stand in the presence of God that you'll look back and your involvement in God's number one plan to reach the world and, you, and you'll say like, I wish I wouldn't have done that. That was a waste of time. I think we will all, myself included, say, I wish I was more involved. I wish I saw Ecclesia the way God saw Ecclesia. I wish I saw that on a daily basis. You will never regret your involvement in the local church. Now, if this is your church home, like if this is a place you think, like when you wake up Sunday morning, like I think I'm going to church and this is a place you come to, then I want to challenge you today to be highly involved and what God is doing through our ecclesia. And there are several ways that you can do that. There's many ways you can be involved. I'm just gonna highlight a few today. So on your seat should be a little card that looks like this, a little blue card that says get in the game. And on the other side, what I want you to do is just glance at that side and then we've got some um, stats coming up on the screen that will help you see some ways that you can be involved. And, and I really ask, like, like prayerfully consider this, really, seriously. Prayerfully consider, where does God want you involved in what he is doing through our church family. Top left-hand corner, uh, we've got our children's teams. And uh, we've broken this down in first service, second service needs. So we've got needs in our first service, uh, six needs there, more volunteers, at least six uh, more needs in our second service. And this is our, our group that goes from birth up to fifth grade. So we've got our tide pool area, we've got our riptide area. And uh, you may not know this, but on any given Sunday, we have around 150 kids from birth to fifth grade. That's a lot of kids. And you know what they need? They need some adults who say like, I will invest in you. I'll invest. We've got some kids that come from some rough family environments. And here's the coolest thing. We've got some of our kids that say, like, I, I love coming to church. And guess what? They go to their school. And they say to their friend, hey, you want to go to church with me? And sometimes their friends go, sure. And then, and then they come to church. And then they go back and guess who else they bring? their mom and their dad. And they say, dad, mom, like I want to go to church. And mom and dad go, what? You want to go where? I want to go to church. Oh, okay. And they come. You may be here like that today. What do those kids need? They need to see an example, godly men and women who love Jesus and can show them how to grow in their relationship with God at very critical ages in their lives. So our kids need that. And men, often, here's what we think when an announcement goes out. Here's what I thought for many years when an announcement goes out about children's ministry. Oh, you're talking to the women. I am. And I'm talking to you. We need some men who say, you know what, I'll show some, some young guys what it means to be a godly man, what it means to love Jesus. So we need some people that'll step up and do that. And I'm asking you, might God be tapping on your shoulder might God be calling you out of the bleachers and saying, hey, that's where I want you to serve. That's where I want you involved. 
Next area, our connections team. So we need five more at least in the first service, five more at least in the second service. And our connections team does this amazing job of creating an environment here, creating an environment where people can come in and feel welcome, feel connected with, like somebody cares. And somebody who reaches out to them and maybe holds a door, maybe smiles, maybe offers coffee. And, And here's the deal. If you can shake hands or you can smile, you can be in our connections team. Even if you get have a smile, I'm good with that. Okay, all of us should feel called by God to be in our connections team. Every single one of us that, that say, this is my church home. We're all called to help people feel welcomed. Like this is a place they can grow in their relationship with God. So pray about our connections team, our creative media team. So we have need for at least seven more on that team. So that's a team that puts together videos and dramas and does video uh, filming and editing and does an amazing job w- with all that. If you were in our Hopeless series, our, our creative video team put that on. Our creative media team did hours and hours and hours of work to make those videos that, that enhanced what we were talking about on Sunday morning. So if you've got an interest in that, we would love to have you on our creative media team. Our prep team. I know this is shocking, but this building does not look like this Sunday morning when you walk in. Like at seven o'clock, it looks like a school. All these tables are set up for cafeteria style. And we've got an incredible team of people that come in every Sunday and they spend about an hour, a little bit over an hour, getting this place set up. Why? So we can come in together and learn about Jesus. So there's somebody that stepped out of their comfort zone to provide a seat for you and I to set up all this stuff so that we can experience something different. We'd love to have you involved in our setup team or our teardown team. So we got a team right after the service that will start tearing this all down, getting it ready for school again. You know, when they, the school shows up on, on uh, Monday morning, they'd like it to be ready for school. So we've got a team that works hard to make that happen. You could be involved in creating an environment where people can come in and take a next step towards God. So four more at least in the uh, prep part and four more in the teardown part. Our student teams, uh, that's pipeline and surge. So our pipeline ministry is our sixth through eighth graders. They meet on Sunday morning in the second service that's going on right now in the gymnasium. And then our high school team is surge and they meet Sunday afternoon. So seven more volunteers in pipeline, 10 more volunteers in our uh, high school ministry. Now, just think for a moment, could you have used an influential, godly adult in your life in middle school and high school who would show you how to follow Jesus? I could have used that. We got some kids that are coming from very rough home environments, and they need to see somebody who will like, live like Jesus in front of them, show them how to follow that path before they head out into the rough world, and we know it's a rough world. So we need to help prepare them before that day happens. So you could be involved in helping them do that. Our tech team. So we've got an amazing team back here. Let's all turn around and look at our tech team. All right, so this is our our team that runs a computer. They run the lights. (laughs) Brian says he's able to do stuff with a soundboard to make me sound like Charlton Heston. Oh, he just cut me off. You see, you don't mess with the tech team because they have, you know, whoever controls the microphone controls the power. So uh, they do an amazing job back there and we need more people involved in that. So whether you have tech ability or not, it doesn't matter. They will train you. 
and how to be involved in our tech team and what they do on a, on a regular basis. And then uh, lastly, there are worship team. So we could use at least six more on our worship team. One of the things I love about our worship team is uh, Evan's heartbeat for worship is not that we just learn songs and we watch them do this great job of leading worship on stage. It's about understanding that worship is a lifestyle, that we leave here worshiping our great God all week long with how we live. And, and music is just a piece of that puzzle. So if you've got any music ability or interest in that, um, talk to, to Evan about being involved in our worship team. Now, here's what I'm, I'm gonna ask in, in a minute. As you leave today, here's how you can get involved. Out in the other side over there, we've got um, ministry tables set up all over the place. What I ask you to do is stop by several of those tables. Find a spot to get involved. Find a spot to get plugged in. And uh, like, if you're not sure, pick a spot. Try it for a season. See if that works. If that's not exactly your fit, then try another spot. Like you may try several to get to that right spot, that giftedness that you have, and you find your passion for serving God through God's ecclesia. So um, before you leave today, I ask you, spend some time saying, God, where do you want me involved in your number one plan to reach the world with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ? Now, here's what I hope. I told you last week that this was gonna be a memorable message and a memorable Sunday. Beyond my green socks, okay? So, like, I hope that you look back on this day and go, you remember that day, like, Trim wore those green socks and acted like a Fruit Loop on the stage? Beyond remembering me being a Fruit Loop and wearing green socks, I hope that you'll remember that's the day I began to understand the local church is the hope of the world. It's God's number one plan to reach the world. I hope that you'll look back and say, that's the day I saw this, this picture of the church maybe I'd never seen before. And I felt God calling me to, to get out of the bleachers and can get into the game, get active in what he is doing in this local church to advance his kingdom in our county. Now, tonight, we've got a ministry kickoff event that we're doing. We, we've been doing over the past several years, and so um, we kind of follow the school year. And so for us tonight, like, this is the beginning of a ministry season. And if you serve currently, if you're thinking about serving, if you're slightly considering serving, if you don't ever want to serve in your life, I hope you'll come. I hope everybody will come tonight and, and hear um, a, a short, challenging message. Here's several things we got planned tonight. We got some fun planned. Um, it, it's, it's great. I can't wait. I don't want to tell you, but it's going to be awesome. And we're going to celebrate communion together. It's a beautiful thing for us to come together as God's ecclesia and celebrate communion and focus on what God wants us to focus on as a church family. And then I'm going to give uh, a short challenging message, just a, a kind of a locker room pregame talk, things that I think we should know as a church family, things that are critically important as we go out and serve, as we learn how to be the church for each other and for our community. So that'll happen tonight, 6.30. Um, come, we'll have desserts, uh, we'll have childcare, so if you've got your kids with you, bring them. We'd love to have everybody come and be involved with us tonight for that. Now, I'm gonna pray, and then I'm gonna uh, invite our... Epic Kids 
worship team to come out. So you may not know that we have that, but in our Riptide area, first through fifth grade, we've got a worship team that, that worships, teaches kids how to worship God on a regular basis through music, and they're going to come out and close us out. So what I'm going to need you to do is stand up, uh, like maybe like stretch just a little bit, raise your hands above your head, just kind of get a little bit limber. Um, they worship a little differently than we do, and uh, they're going to show you how they worship God by leading us in doing that. So let's pray together and then they're gonna come out. God, I'm so grateful that you use people to cast a big vision about your local church. And God, I'll never forget hearing Heibel say that the very first time, the local church is the hope of the world. God, I didn't understand that for so long. And every time I hear that, I get a better glimpse of what it means to be the church. And there's a challenge in me that you challenge me, and I feel like you're calling me to higher levels of involvement in your ecclesia. Lord, it's your number one plan to reach the world with a life-changing message with Jesus Christ. And we've been entrusted with that message, so we understand we have a huge responsibility not to keep it to ourselves, but to share it with our community around us that desperately needs it. So Lord, I pray that today there will be some people like, like me 16 years ago, like, like saying like, wow, I've never seen that, but I've got to begin studying what it means to be a part of the local church. Lord, I pray that our church family would be known in our community as a place where everyone's welcome, where anybody who wants to learn the teachings of Jesus can come and find a home where they can grow to be all that God wants them to be. God, we can only do that with your help. So Lord, do your work inside of us individually. Transform our hearts and help us to reach out and transform our community. In Jesus' name, we pray this. Amen. All right, would you welcome out our kids' worship team? Wow, wow, you can stay standing. Um, I'm going to need a long nap this afternoon. I got to do that twice. So didn't they do a great job this morning? All right, so three reminders before you leave. Make sure you stop by our ministry tables before you leave. Check out opportunities for, to be involved in what God's doing through our church family. Number two, come back tonight, 6.30, for our volunteer kickoff. And number three, if you're involved in our teardown team or want to help with us today, do that. Make sure you come up here to the front of the stage to talk with Jeff before you do that, because we've got some different things that we're doing before tonight. So not everything's going to be torn down. So thanks for being here today, everybody. Have a fantastic week.